0: And she had written anxiety disorder and circled it. And it was definitely one of those aha moments. It's one of the reasons we are so proud to have this podcast sponsored
1: by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. To get started, you simply answer a couple of questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. And you can schedule these sessions when it's convenient for you. And you can always switch to a new therapist if you don't find the fit right away with Better Help. You get the same professionalism and quality you would expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash I Needed That. That's betterhelp.com slash I Needed That. You'll also find this link in the show notes of today's episode.
0: Hey, what's up? It's me, Chris Powell. And before we start the podcast, I got a question for you. Do you want to start a healthy habit? Do you want to feel great for the rest of the day? And do you want to do all of that in less than three minutes? I'm on a mission to move 1 million people every single day with my nonprofit and app called Move 1 Million. It's fast, easy, fun, and you'll feel great for the rest of the day. Oh, and the best part, it's 100% free. You can find us at m1m.org. Or search M1M on the Google Play Store or on the App Store.
1: And he looks right at me and he says, Matthew, you are a transitional character in your lineage. And that is why I do what I do. Hi there, my name is Matthew Blades, podcast host and motivational speaker. And I love keynoting and putting on workshops to help people understand the value of self-care. Because there are people in this room that feel broken, but you're not. There is nothing wrong with you. Just like there was nothing wrong with me. I just needed to step into my life's purpose more. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Let's do this together. Head on over to learnfrompeoplewholivedit.com. Now, let's get to today's podcast.
0: I ran up a check, my might do it again. Enemies close, have me thinking they're friends. Ten toes down, I'll be free to the end. Crib outside the city, I don't feel safe in my ass. Took so many years, I'm just waiting for the wins. I'm in debt to no one but the one who took my sins. I do it for real, there's no reason to pretend. If I do it once, I do
2: it again. Add it up, add it
1: up, up, up everybody? Welcome you know, to I Needed so That. So the podcast with me, Matthew Blades. What's up, Chris Powell? What's up, Matthew Blades? <laughs> How are ya? You know what, man? It has been a crazy week, and I know a lot of people answer that way. There, you ask people like, "How you doing?" Oh man, it's been a crazy week.
0: <laughs> and usually, if, if the response is that, it means it's not usually a good crazy. Sometimes it's just been a. I think what it means is stressful.
1: Some things happened to me this week that didn't show up on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair
0: enough to say <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> That's so funny. When that when, when, when the, make the cut. When the gram goes quiet, yeah. you know you're in the middle of the shiz. Right, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: If I'm throwing up memes, I'm in it, bro. I'm <laughs> right, in it. You yes. know what I mean? If I'm putting up quotes of the day, yes. I'm in it. I'm in it fully. So. Yes. Welcome to our podcast. Here we got so many crazy stories. Chris, you just moved into your new house. We're Actually, this is our first recording in your new home. How does it feel to be... Uh, a, a first time solo homeowner. I know you must've owned a, a place in the past when you were married, but you know, as this is your first place by yourself, huh? Yeah, it's kind of I, wild to think about, it, a, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's a milestone at 44 years old. I finally own a home by myself. Look at which you, just, man. you know, it, it's, it's nice. It's good. Especially after going through such a crazy transition time in my life with yeah. the divorce and everything. And I was renting for a while and I just, it, you know, when, when you're moving around a lot, you feel uprooted and not just for myself, but for my kids too. And so just to have this place and it's not my home, it's our home, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And that's, I brought my, the kids into the whole process of like picking out you know, making sure that they love the home. And if they like it, then, we'll, then we then we can, we can make things happen to get it. So we got it and now They're they're creating their own rooms and everything. So it just, it feels good for for the, my family, you know?
1: I can imagine that when you're going through what you went through, there's that there is that sense of you mentioned being uprooted and things just not feeling super stable, and and just something about being able to walk into a home, deciding what the walls are going to be colored, deciding what yes. your kitchen cabinets are going to look like, <laughs> yes. picking out faucets for your, you know, like that stuff is meaningful and it, and it kind of grounds you
0: in a way. It does. It it's it's a fun project. It's a it's a, an escape and like a. It's definitely an escape from the, all the other craziness of life right now, like building the business and everything like that. But um, no, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun.
1: I think everybody just heard the little boop. Uh, that means we're getting ready to bring in our <clears> guest <throat> today. And I'm excited about this. Do you want to jump oh, up man. and, and I, let yep, him in the room? Yep, I'm going to let him in right okay, now. Chris is going to let him in the room. And while we'll uh, while we do that, I am going to make a quick introduction of this gentleman that we're getting ready to talk to. Hey, Doc.
2: How are you? Good. Can you hear us? Okay. I can
1: hear you great.
2: It's great to see you both. Yeah, great to see Good you to too, Matt. Good to see man. you too, Doc.
1: So I was speaking at a Banner event a few months ago, and afterwards, Dr. Todd Hurst comes up to me. We have a great conversation, and then I think we've just kind of found this mutual uh, respect for each other, and uh, it's developed into this nice little uh, hang out every now and again, email every now and again, try to help each other every now and again uh, of kinship. And um, he is a cardiologist, I had him on my podcast, learned from people who lived it, you know, because my dad died of a heart attack. Right. Right. And so I I wanted to ask him some specific questions. But Todd is a guy who, or Dr. Hurst, I'm sorry, we'll keep this official, is a guy who, um, he's done a lot of work on the things that, take most of our lives. Okay.
0: In fact, I believe it's the number one killer is heart heart disease. heart disease. Yes. Yeah. And it has
1: been for a long time. And so he's a guy who like, <laughs> were, were you like 12 years old when you, you were like, I want to work at Mayo clinic one day.
2: Yeah. It's a, a crazy thing. Looking back on it, like here I am in this, you know, small town, New Mexico, uh, poor uneducated family. And some reason I got this idea. I wanted to be a Mayo clinic cardiologist. How,
0: At 12 years old, how did you hear about the Mayo Clinic?
2: (laughs) You know, that's even a funnier story. I think it was from the show MASH, believe it or not. There was a scene where one of the characters was like, well, if I had those answers, I'd be at the Mayo Clinic. And I'm like, oh, that must be a good place. (laughs)
0: Wow. That is wild. Isn't
2: that great? Yeah. and And
1: he's gone on to work at the Mayo. You were there a dozen years or so, weren't you?
2: Nineteen years. Nineteen yeah.
1: years wow. at Mayo. You, then he went over to Banner. Now he's created this thing called Healthspan MD, which is personalized. It's comprehensive. It's this whole connected model of healthcare where he's really trying to make sure that folks live a longer life.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm I'm just so glad that you're here on the show because there's a lot of really fun stuff that that we can discuss. Well, we're going to absolutely and and. Re- around prevention because I, I I really want to pick your brain because you are you know you're, you're on the bleeding edge of this stuff and so I think you're you'll be able to give a lot of really valuable information to our listeners on the important necessary steps that they can take first steps and continued steps toward a better quality of life which is what that's that's the the, the greater mission rate right? that, that is absolutely. you know yeah. the,
2: the length of life is one thing the the quality of life is uh, another People can have a lot more, do have a lot more control over both than than they often realize.
1: You had a podcast, um, it was on your podcast, Dr. Todd Hurst, where you were talking about uh, traditional ways of losing weight aren't the answer. I believe you you were interviewing uh, a woman who was kind of in this space and you say calorie restriction sounds good, but it works in the short run, fails in the long run more than 90% of the time okay so i see a stat like that i'm like i want to ask my fitness guru buddy here chris powell like what is what does he think of that do you do you think calorie restriction sounds good works in the short run but fails
0: 90 percent of the time well i do believe and and doc maybe you can sh- you shed some light on this but i do that's believe, why he's here man yeah no, this is good let's <laughs> yeah let's let's have it you know you know back and forth yeah on back this. and forth let's hit the ball back and forth but i do believe a, a deficit is absolutely mandatory and that's the laws of thermodynamics like can't ex- escape that but it's like how do we create that deficit and how to you know to prevent or at least stave off hunger and cravings as much as possible and not create an eating disorder or disordered eating in the process and then of course also what kind of foods should we be choosing to, to lead them toward a healthier quality of life especially when it comes to heart health
2: well one i agree 100 percent with you and if i you know, got up here and started to argue the first law of thermodynamics being wrong. That would be probably <laughs> off to a bad start. But you know, I I, I I guess what you know the the calories in, calories out, or the you know all you have to do is eat less, move more. I think that's the part that I think is is leading people down the wrong path. You're absolutely right. There needs to be a deficit uh, to to be able to achieve weight loss, but it's the details and the personalization that is often missed in this. Like, you know, it's it's I I think about this analogy, like if you, you know, somebody said, "Okay, Chris, how how do I get rich? You know, how do I, I, I get, you know, financially well off? And you could say, "Well, I, you know, the best way to do it is to make more money than you spend." Right? Okay, well, you know, right. But not very helpful. And I think that's where a lot of people get off base with this. Oh, well, yeah. all I need to do is eat less and move more. There's a lot more to it, and a lot more individual aspects to it. And and so, you know, I'll I'll, I'll give you the the story that that uh, really opened my eyes to this because when I was in training, so. Realize I had four years of medical school, three years of internal medicine residency, four years of cardiology fellowship. Like I was an old man by the time I finished <laughs> my training. I received no training in weight loss, really, in behavior change, almost none. And and that's because I was paid. My institution was paid. Mayo Clinic was paid. Banner is paid for taking taking care of sick people. It, it, it's we we just don't learn much about those things, but. I had a patient, a lovely lady. She was, uh, you know, about four foot eleven and about two hundred pounds, like the cutest thing you could ever imagine, but crazy high blood pressure. Like she just kept coming. I had her on like seven different blood pressure medications. We couldn't figure it out. She, you know, she couldn't lose weight. She couldn't exercise. She couldn't eat better. Like nothing was working until. I finally realized she had sleep apnea, and and uh, I realized that by walking into the exam room and she was snoring so loud you could hear her all the way down the hallway. Wow! And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you have sleep apnea. The the, the once we treated her sleep sleep apnea, well she got rest and then she felt better and then she started exercising huh. and then she started eating better and then she lost <laughs> the weight and then she got down to one blood pressure medication in the end. And so. For her telling her over and over, eat less, move more, eat less, move more, didn't address the issue that was her problem, which was her sleep was terrible.
0: All right, Doug, we just became best friends because I, I, okay, I love this, man. We're on the same page and I love where you're going here because um, you're spot on. I mean, the whole industry is, is screaming, eat less, exercise more, but you just found a variable. It's like, okay, there's nutrition, there's exercise. Everybody's focused on this, but what about sleep? What about stress? What about social health and your deep, meaningful relationships with others? How does that also impact? Because I'm in this thought process, and I know Matthew's on the same page with me, and I'm picking up a vibe here, but tell me, like, it's a holistic approach. You can't just go after one thing and say, oh, we're just, it's kind of like, oh, just put a Band-Aid on the problem. Oh, it's just diet and exercise. No, it's all these other things that affect your quality of life. It's mental health, it's social health, and it's physical health.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, that's the the, kind of the the epiphany that I finally had is that, you know, if we're going to change the things that really predict health, and and those are pretty straightforward, like it's high blood pressure, it's cholesterol, it's blood sugar, and it's weight, those four things like Those are the things, if you get those four things right, you're going to live a long time and have a very low risk of heart disease and stroke and cancer and dementia and fatty liver and AFib and all those things that are epidemic right now. How do you change those four things though? Like medications are are part of this, like for some people, but where you start is nutrition, physical activity, sleep, stress, toxins. You know, uh, A lot of people are held back by the toxins, whether it's excess alcohol, whether it's tobacco, whether it's the toxins of social media and the news media and Netflix and, and those things, or, and, and then that connection, that social connection, that connection to purpose, you know, those are the, those are the tools that we use to move the things that make the difference in our health and in our longevity.
0: I was just going to have you reiterate what those four things again, the four things that we really need to watch out for.
2: So, so these are the so okay, I'll take a step back. So so the biggest problem in healthcare, I I don't even think it's arguably like I I don't know what else it would be is metabolic disease. Doctors call it cardiometabolic disease. Nobody knows what that means, right? But what everybody knows is what is what what the details are about cardiometabolic disease. So that is high blood pressure. So that's about 46% of adults in the United States have high blood pressure. Uh, unhealthy cholesterol levels. So that can be high LDL cholesterol, the bad cholesterol that we always talk about. But more commonly these days, it's high triglycerides, low HDL being an indication that the cholesterol is unhealthy. Number three is blood sugar. Now, I, I think even bigger uh, a factor in this is insulin resistance because there's a lot of people out ask there you that about have... That. normal blood sugars, but they are generating so much insulin to be able to keep those blood sugars normal that they can't lose weight. Like, you know, they could, they could see Chris and Chris could live with them for 18 hours a day, but if they're and and, and, you know, get them eating right and exercising and that's going to help, like that's amazingly beneficial. But if their insulin levels are sky high all the time, like if they're, they're injecting insulin, they're, they're not going to lose weight. Like that's just not, the, the, you know, that's just the way the physiology is. And then the, the last one uh, is weight, you know, body weight. But, you know, even body weight is really, uh, it, it, there's, a, there's details to that. There's a personalization. Like, you know, I look at Chris, like, I, man, I would kill to have the muscles that Chris <laughs> has, you know. Uh, but my guess is, is his body mass index is in, it would be deemed overweight in a, you know, in a research study. But he's not right. overweight. He has nothing, <laughs> there's nothing about him that is overweight. And so it's not just, you know, your weight, it's also what with the fat, the body fat percentage, the composition, and then even more detailed. Where is the fat, like is it visceral fat, is it abdominal fat, that's the stuff that is really indicating high risk.
1: When you guys are talking about insulin resistance, can you dumb that down a little bit for me and maybe a few (laughs) other folks who felt like that kind of went above our head, Uh, who's impacted by insulin resistance? my my Is it stupid of me to be like, is that di- a diabetic problem? Like, I just don't know enough about it. And when I hear insulin, I go there. And so I'm wondering if you guys can.
2: I completely agree. I mean, I think this is one of the limitations or the challenges of the, you know, helping people get healthier is that we have so many terms for things that are difficult and challenging to understand. You know, it can be insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, metabolic syndrome, syndrome X, like, we have all of these things, and, and, and even in, among doctors, they the, all these terms get thrown around fairly loosely. But insulin resistance is really uh, at baseline the biggest driver for high blood pressure, for unhealthy weight, and for unhealthy cholesterol. And uh, it depends on how you define insulin resistance, but it, it, one of the more recent studies that looked at a big population of, of people in the United States, they've been, you know, doing these studies for 30 years now looking at uh, populations. It's called NHANES, and they looked at those five uh, criteria that we use for metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, and that is, uh, you know, normal body weight, normal blood pressure, normal blood sugar, normal cholesterol levels, uh, and, you um, and uh, weight and well, weight. Abdominal waist. Yeah. yeah. Abdo- abdominal uh, <laughs> circumference, obesity right. in the abdomen. How, what percentage of the United States didn't have at least one of those uh, factors for uh, unhealthy metabolism? And it was 6.5%. Holy, Holy so smokes! 93.5% of us as adults have at least one sign of an unhealthy metabolism and almost all of them are going to have insulin resistance. It's in, and, and, you know, it's not better in the younger populations. Like what's even more frightening. I have, I have three, you know, younger or uh, younger adult children. The the numbers are 78% of adolescents have, uh, you know, a sign of unhealthy metabolism as well. So wow. insulin resistance, let's see if we can make this really <laughs> simple. So Insulin resistance is a normal body mechanism to protect ourselves from having too much energy. So the, the, the simplest way to look at this is that when we're overfed, when we have too much uh, calories coming in or we have calories that are particularly spiking insulin levels like highly processed foods, high sugar added, refined grains, those kind of things, our, our body responds to those the, those energy intake by Putting out insulin, but once our cells, particularly our muscle cells, because they're the primary sink for taking in our energy, uh, once those cells are full of energy, they got to shut things down. They got to say, "Okay, I don't need any more energy in here," because if I do, I'm going to get toxic. And so they stop responding to the insulin. They they just the insulin comes and says, "Take more glucose in, into your cell," but the cell says, "Okay, I'm done. I can't I can't take anymore." What does the body respond with? Well, the sugar goes up, more insulin comes, and as that insulin level rises, that is uh, insulin resistance, and then that's gonna lead to fat accumulation, uh, it's gonna lead to higher blood pressure, it's gonna lead to unhealthy cholesterol. All of those things that we know are the primary drivers for heart disease, for cancer, for dementia, for stroke, things that we are most concerned about uh, if we're if we're wanting to live a long healthy life
1: so am i to hear you guys correct that maybe one of the first stops for anybody that's trying to lose weight and get healthy needs to be to look at their insulin levels and needs to figure out kind of where their metabolism lies like that should almost be
0: stop number one for folks in my experience that has been a incredibly effective approach is to is to number one. I mean, if I'm if I'm ever dealing with anyone who is type two diabetic, pre diabetic, et cetera, I will always send them to their physician first, so that they can actually get a a quick, and, and you know, it, um, I'm trying to choose my words wisely here, but like um, to be able to solve the problem in the short term, which be. Metformin or some sort of medical solution, while we can work on a longer term solution. So this is where, I, where I, I think there's a wonderful relationship between allopathic medicine, and then of course, like there's a long term preventative approach. Because like, hey man, if your blood sugar levels are, are crazy high right now, before you do a ton of damage and start, you know, like damaging your capillaries, losing your eyesight, etc., get on some medication so that you can actually get some of that. Sugar into the cells because right now it doesn't want, they, they don't want to unlock and let it in because of everything that's going on. But then let's, let's start working on some other um, solutions here, like movement, because movement is going to clear a lot of the sugar out of the cells so that the cells can open up and actually draw the draw the sugar in, which would then clear the insulin out of, out of the bloodstream. So doc, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, um, that's, that's, it's like, that's why I love to work with the doctors so they can, they can actually prescribe the medication necessary while I'm working on a longer term solution, which would then be movement. Then it, it could also be perhaps for those individuals, a lower carbohydrate diet, even in the short term or whatever works best for them so that we can get that under control. Then once we actually have insulin sensitivity, well now we're off to the races again and we can start really start working on some other solutions.
1: Sounds like you agree with that, Todd.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I, I'll just first put this part in exercise is the most powerful tool we have for improving metabolic health, for treating insulin resistance, uh, and for living a long, healthy life. Like if your muscles are happy, then you are going to be healthy. like I, I think that I, we, we always we prioritize our brain, of course. we prioritize our heart. We want our liver to be healthy, but Really, your muscles, like getting them to optimize, you know, optimal health. That's going to make you optimally uh, healthy as well. But I'll say, I'll tell you that the thing about insulin resistance, I, I think, is is yes, medications can be the jumpstart for people. Like they can get them off of zero, get them some quicker results, help start treating the problem, uh, and, and I think that's where their role is. But I, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of times medicines get used as, a, as, as the destination, you know, like, OK, here, take this medicine and you're on it for the rest of your life uh, because you're not going to do the things that you need to do to get off of it. I, I think that's that's deceptive. I, I think that we're not giving people credit for their ability to change or getting them to people like Chris. Who can help them craft a program for them that gets them moving, eating better, you know, doing all the things that they need to do? And you know, for me, the insulin resistance uh, concept for has been the most helpful in explaining to people what they need to do to get their health goals. Um, I, I can't tell you how often before I had this, you know, revelation that I would see patients and they'd be like, "I." I you know, I eat well, I, I, I spend hours on the treadmill every day and I just can't lose weight I, and I don't know why. And I was perplexed as well. I'd say, yeah, me too. I, I don't know what the issue is. Like I, I hear this all day long from my patients. It, 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 if it makes you feel any better, everybody's got it. But I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Once I realized that insulin resistance is so commonly the underlying driver here, then I could uh, then people could start understanding, Okay, well, it's not just about, you know, eating a low amount of calories. It's the quality of those calories. Timing of those calories can be really important as well. And then when it comes to physical activity, just walking on the treadmill all day may not be what you need. Maybe you need and almost certainly you do strength training. Maybe you need to address your stress. Maybe you need to address your sleep crafting that around insulin resistance, it helps people frame, okay, now I understand how this multifactorial approach can help me get to where I want to go. And once everything starts working together, oh my gosh, it's, it's magic. Like it's the most exciting thing for them and for me.
1: We both talk about it all the time. When folks are able to figure out why something has been happening, oftentimes they're so empowered to just keep that thing moving.
0: That's, you know, that's the one thing is I, I, I truly believe education is one of those things that can really help drive behavior modification because people as, as much as a lot of us just want to tell them what to do. And sometimes people would just want to be told what to do. I think the majority of people, if they understand how and why it will truly alter their behavior. If they understand what's happening on the inside, I do need to bring this up. And again, doc, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to pulling research articles. I live on PubMed, Google scholar and everything. And so I was looking up um, training for insulin resistance and, and for, um, for diabetics, and they've actually found, so if you, if you focus on resistance training, what happens What happens when you start a muscle contraction, and after, you know, 8, 10, 12 reps, if it's a de- decent intensity, you start to build up, there's a sensation in the muscle, right? It starts to burn a little bit. What does that burn? Well, it's going to be, it's glycogen being split, and then there's metabolic waste products, which would be like lactic acid, right? So you start to feel the pH of the muscle drop, lactic acid starts to build up. But the beauty of it was what I just said before. You start to burn through the glycogen, which is stored glucose, which is sugar in the muscle. And when you create, when you burn through that sugar in the muscle, your muscles, all of our muscles are just tanks for sugar, right? So our muscles can, can hold 500 or so grams of sugar. Your liver might hold 80 to 100 grams of sugar, right? So that, those are our sugar stores. And the doc said earlier today, he said, well, it's already full of sugar. And so that's why you build up insulin resistance because you keep eating more sugar. The the cells are full. The room, the, Everyone's in the in the room. They're having a party. You get, And all these people are in the hallway trying to get in and they can't get in because the rooms are all full. They, they, they all got keys and the key is insulin. They can't get in the room. You got to clear people out of the room. How do you do it? You got to build up a burn in the muscle. That's how you clear the glycogen. And you get people out of the room so that the doors can open. You can get everyone out of the hallway. You can get all that sugar into the muscle. So it's like resistance training is necessary. And they've actually found a positive correlation between people that diabetics or pre-diabetics that do resistance training, their insulin sensitivity, their resistance goes down, sensitivity goes up because they're creating a vacuum inside that muscle so that it can, it can actually function properly. This is the beauty of this is where exercise helps truly improve your insulin. It'll improve insulin sensitivity. Interesting. Yeah. What do you,
1: how do you feel
2: about that, Doctor Hurst? You, Absolutely. You, yeah, you I'd, I'd say the mind. thing that is missing most in uh, people that I see that are concerned about their heart health, their their weight, their blood pressure, uh, the thing that is going to be most impactful that they're not doing or not considering is strength training. I, almost inevitably. Like I'm, all, I'm surprised actually when I see somebody, uh, and, and and you know everybody's different. Like some people are eating pretty well, some people are you know, sleeping well, some people got their stress down, some people, they're not, they're not drinking too much, <laughs> although that seems more and more rare these days. But I, uh, the, the thing that is almost universal is they're not strength training. And I, it's one of the most important factors that I emphasize to them is how to, you know, the, the, the benefits of that. I mean, it's not just in treating insulin resistance as well. Like, as an anti-aging uh, intervention, I can't think of anything that's more effective than that. Like, what is old aging? Like, what does old mean? Well, it's not just a number, it's a, you're getting frail, right? Not able to be functional, not able to do the things that you were doing when you were younger. And a lot of those reasons you're getting stiffer and you're getting, you're losing muscle mass, you're losing strength. And so battling that, like I, I will tell you as at as, as 56 years of age, Uh, I'd say one of my highest priorities in my health is maintaining. uh, And even if I could build a little muscle mass, like that's the thing that I think about all the time.
0: You brought up those those other three major points. Can we talk about high blood pressure, hypertension? And what are a few things that our listeners can do about it right now to start to improve their hypertension or their high blood pressure if they do have it?
2: So high blood pressure I, is a critically important issue. Like I, I said earlier, 46% of adults have that. More than half do not have their blood pressure controlled. So more than half of the people that have high blood pressure don't have it controlled. And we we kind of minimize it, right? Because everybody has it. And, oh, but, you know, my doctor didn't really make that big of a deal about it. But uh, hypertension kills 1,100 people a day, preventable <sighs> deaths a day from high blood pressure. It's the second leading cause of heart disease, the leading cause of stroke. Like this is a devastating health problem that we know exactly how to treat. Like we don't need to invest another dime in research to know how to effectively treat blood pressure, but we're not doing that. So I would say, you know, the the important things that I emphasize to my patients who come in with newly diagnosed type high blood pressure, or I've just seen them and blood pressure is their issue. Uh, Number one, up to about 75% of blood pressure control is lifestyle related, meaning that if they are more active, if they eat better, if they lose weight, uh, then they are going to improve their blood pressure. And for many of them, they can get an opportunity to certainly lower their blood pressure medication, but maybe even get off of it. So, you know, about 25% of people have a genetic predisposition to high blood pressure uh, that's just the way, you know, their, their genes are. But even in that lifestyle is so critically important in, in uh, managing their blood pressure. I'd also say that uh, the hidden causes of high blood pressure, the things that I, you know, go over with people, number one, sleep apnea, uh, oh. wildly common, uh, wildly underdiagnosed, lots of people don't know that they have sleep apnea. Uh, that's a prominent driver of high blood pressure. Um, and then also uh, alcohol, you know, uh, most some people don't understand that even moderate levels of alcohol on a regular basis can be a driver for high blood pressure for people. Uh, but then medications. Uh, we have really effective medications with very low side effects uh, and uh, they're inexpensive. They're generic. They, they, they don't cost very much, um, but people need to take them for them to work. And that's a common problem is that. You know, I understand. not want to take medications. I don't want you to take medications if you don't need it. But more importantly, I don't want to miss that opportunity to prevent a future heart attack or stroke uh, if we don't have your blood pressure under control.
1: I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I knew you were going to be excellent and you exceeded that expectation. So thank you.
2: Oh, it's truly my pleasure. Like, I love the work that both of you are doing. And, you know, to get an opportunity to chat with you and share ideas, and and with the goal of helping people, like that, that makes my day. So, thank you so much for the invitation. All
0: right, dude. So the doc knows some things. He's a he's a great guy. You like him? Yeah. So so early on, like as as we were just kind of going through his. um his platform and everything and you you would mentioned you're like you know he says it's not just about creating calorie deficit and i was like Ugh. and then the moment we started talking i was like okay okay we're all on the same page. <laughs> and dude no i love it i love it he is he is evidence-based purely evidence-based but he's also humble enough to know that we don't know everything even in that medical world but but we're constantly striving to get there and he's just listening to him um, you, you can tell he's on the bleeding edge of this stuff, and so and and he's passionate about it. So he's going to constantly keep bringing the latest and greatest into his own practice, which is really awesome. Like we need more people in the world like that. I can't wait for him to be one of the most successful
1: cardiologist in the country. Yeah. I mean, really, he's, yeah, he's, he's put in the work, he's put in the time, he deserves it. He's so smart. I love his approach to everything. It's like you. It's like, wow. it's how people <laughs> feel about Chris yeah. Powell, now man. That's about you, buddy. Yeah, you know?
0: Well, you know what's really cool, though? Going back to the doctor. Um, it's also, that's a cool story about the fact that he was 12 and he decided he wanted to be a Mayo right? Clinic doctor. Uh, there's, I'm sure there's a lot more story behind that that I'd love to dig into that I think is very applicable for everyone listening when it comes to goal setting. I say manifestation. Now, manifestation isn't as simple as sitting back and going, oh, I'm just going to visualize this. And it's right. gonna. No, he visualized it and then he laid out a plan and then he took the action steps necessary to get him where he is now. And look at him. He's incredibly successful and he should be.
1: I applaud doctors on so many levels because I am not wired to go to eight, ten years of school <laughs> no before wow. I've got the thing that I want. Like oh, you man. really have to love the process yes. to be a doctor and yeah. that's that's what they do. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears. Let's have a little fun. You and I usually try to stump each other with music. It's one of our favorite things. I've definitely brought my clip today. I'm, I'm assuming you're <laughs> going to pull up some sh- song from Chicago from 1988. You
0: better or, believe uh, it. Oh, I got, I got, to, I got to change my, my song now. It was Chicago n- from 1988. No, it wasn't. Um,
1: here's my, <laughs> <laughs> for
0: you, you're gonna get a
1: quick clip, and I'm gonna ask you to name this tune. You ready? All right, 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 right ready? Let's we go. Down, shake it out.
0: You look confident over there, Chris. Bro. bro, you look really confident, bro. So this song actually brought me to tears a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw the concert in London, and it was for uh, Taylor, uh, who's the, who's the drummer. He passed away, and um, so it's Foo Fighters, My Hero. And did I you, saw this. Oh my god! And his bro. son plays the drums. Oh, they brought his son up there—sixteen-year-old kid. And Dave Grohl goes up there and he's just like, "Hey, we're going to bring out someone. Y'all should know him pretty well because he's a part of the family, you know." And he was talking about the Foo Fighters family, but it's Taylor's own, so Taylor Hawkins. It was Taylor's son. son. Yeah, yeah. And but um, he
1: beats the drums shame. harder than anybody I
0: have ever seen in my life. Oh, and for that song, and it's just like for every dad out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I, I'll, I'll just even talking about it right now. It's like, man, that's like his son playing a tribute to his dad. And, and the emotion that was there is just like, that's what it's about.
1: I could feel it pouring through him. Yeah. It was like he was on another level playing those drums. His His father was with him on every stroke, oh, on every, man. on every, Strike or whatever yeah. you call it when you hit the drums. Oh man! You didn't answer the name of the song yet. My
0: hero. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's a great song. Uh, for me, what I love about that song. Is uh, I go to Arizona Coyotes games and they always pay tribute to some military member. Oh, yeah. And that's the song they play in the background. It, oh. was, it always kind of gets me choked a little bit. Who's your hero? Yeah. Who's your hero? Well,
0: you know, gr- growing up, it was, it was my dad. Yeah. 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 Oh, hands down, it was my dad. And uh, I think it still is, actually. Yeah, that's
1: cool. <laughs> yeah. It makes you know, me think of that Tom Brady clip. Have you ever seen that where they, they're in the big press conference and the little boy says to Tom Brady, Who's your hero? And he says, he says, you know, buddy, I think it's my dad. And then he gets really choked up and he can't talk. And he just goes, yeah, my dad. Yeah. And he just, at least he can't even summarize it. Yeah. But his dad's is here. I can see you're being overcome right now too with that same emotion. Yep.
0: Yeah. 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 What is it about him? You know, my dad was, he, he was always, and, and and my, and my mom. They were my, hands down, my biggest supporters. Mm. They would always tell me this, and I don't know if it was just a, a like a, not manipulation, <laughs> but a ploy, but, but they always told me when I was young, they're like, you're special. Mm-hmm. You can do anything that you set your mind to. Man, I, I can't wait to see where you are in 10 years and in 20 years, you're gonna do great things. And they, they would tell me that when I was young and I believed them. And because they instilled that in me, I literally would go full sail into every opportunity because I was special and I could do great things. And so they took away any fear of failure and I would just go literally full send into everything. And I would, I would try. And then I would, if I fell, I would, that, that programming continued to play, but, but I'm special. So it's going to happen. And it, got me up every time. And so because they instilled that in me, I would just try and try and try and try and try and try, and try until something happened, which has actually turned out to be kind of the story of my life. Like what some, a lot of, a lot of people have seen my successes, whether it might've been on television or writing books or creating you know, magazines, and everything. all the things. Yeah, sure. I've had about three or four good sized successes in my life to about 400 failures. Mm-hmm. This year, I think I, we, we were talking about this. I mean, if you knew the nose that I got, the nose, which was like I, when I would pitch something, I would try something and it would fail. Literally, I, I counted the, the big business attempts that I've made in my life. And it's like 30 something. People only see the success, but I've just fallen over and over and over and over and over again. But And going back to... My parents instilled that in me, and I can't mm. thank them enough for that. And going back to my dad, man, my dad, he was just always there. And But w- when he would tell me that, man, he would hold me by my shoulders and look me in yeah, my buddy. eyes. And, and he was so present with me, and he would tell me that over and over again. And it was just like, man.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, how many people, I hope, did the light bulb just go on for the
0: power of letting your kid know that they can oh. do anything? If there's anything that anyone listening right now gets from this if if you are a parent. Yeah. That's probably one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is belief in in themselves. But it's going to come from you believing in them first and just and and don't say it once. They got to hear it over and over and over and over again and you will literally build that program in them and then they'll run that program for the rest of their lives.
1: All right. Our final segment today, we didn't get to it last week. And so we owe the audience animal voices.
0: This is going to be the most
1: complete episode ever of I Needed That (laughs) because we've had incredible conversations surrounding our heart health and weight loss and insulin and all this other stuff. We've had this great tender moment about heroes. And
0: now we're going to go out with a bang. With some highly intellectually stimulating stuff here. <laughs> so, <laughs> Am I, so you, you got to go first on this one. This is how it
1: works. Animal voices works like this. You and I are each going to select uh, two animals, okay? okay? And you're going to have to talk like you think that animal would talk. And <laughs> okay, I don't mind... Um, you, you know, going first or you can go first—it doesn't matter. We can ro- rock, paper, scissors. But I have selected two animals that I'm excited to hear you talk like.
0: Oh, oh so you get to select my animals, and I get to you select get to yours. select mine. Okay, okay. And then is this? And I'm am I using my normal voice, or am I using a like um, that animals' voice? That's exactly right. Animal voices. Okay. <clears throat> and then it, I'm I get so to,
1: we're not going to get. Nobody can pick dog. Right. <laughs> but if we were to say, like, talk like a dog, you might, you know, sound like Scooby Doo. You'd probably put that on. That would <laughs> right. probably be, the, you know, the voice. You did a cat, you might do some meow things. So right. we got to be more creative. And I believe that I have come up with oh, two gosh. animals that are going to be hilarious.
0: Oh, man. I hear you talk about Oh, gosh. Like. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Well, we have to decide, too. What do we want to say? <laughs> what's, the,
1: what's the phrase that we're going to say um, as this
0: animal? You say, today is a beautiful day. Okay, there All it is. Right. Today is a
1: beautiful day. Please, Chris Powell as a toad.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. Bruh. Um, today this is a beautiful day. <laughs> That? Was that okay? It's really good. I trying, I, I, my eyes were even closed. I was trying to channel my inner toad. <laughs>
1: Holy hell, that's amazing! So today is a beautiful day. That's the phrase. Yes. Okay. All right. All ready? Right. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna make this easy on you, man. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. A duck.
0: <clears throat> a duck. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> so I immediately go to like. <laughs> <Yes.
0: So beautiful. laughs> oh, that was so good. I don't think I'm a very Girl, good dog. It's so really? good. Yes, that was like the perfect. That was like a Donald Duck. Okay. That was really good.
1: All right, your turn. Oh, man. All right. Your turn. And now your animal is a mouse.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay, so it's going to be high pitched. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the thing with the teeth. I have to. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Today is a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as good as it's going to get right there. You're incredible. You're incredible. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I love All this right. segment. We have to do it every week. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, here we go. Matthew, uh, today is a beautiful day in the voice of a donkey. <laughs> Come on. Bring your, bring your best hee-haw. Come on. Okay, I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to give you everything I got, man. Hell today It's a beautiful Altonay. day Bro You're so good You're so
1: good I am dying inside
0: Man, you You're way better at this than I am <laughs> That is awesome. so funny, man That makes me laugh oh, Like good. my head hurts, dude oh, My head oh, that hurts was That was makes good. me laugh
1: <laughs> Holy oh, balls
0: That was fun That was exactly what I needed
1: Oh, that's why we call the podcast. I needed hey, that.
0: And now today is a beautiful day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We feel good about some things, right? We learned some crap about our
0: heart. Yeah. We got some, <laughs> good, some good crap about our weight
1: loss. Yes. Talked about a lot of great things that I think are going to help everybody go be the best version of themselves. And that's exactly our goal every single week is that we just pump you full of so much goodness that you want to go share it with the world. That's what
0: this is all about. Amen to that, man. Thank you for being on this on this mission with us. Yeah. I needed that. We'll see you next week.